came here to say Who won it from the jump? Came here to we say. came to get exactly what you want Came here to say that you don't really want it with us yeah. We love you know We came here to say that you don't really want it with us yeah. Yeah. The sports show Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Euro Sports Show, episode 108. It's been a while, but we are back. I am your host, Big Baby, aka the soul of RB. And to my right, we have always on time the queen, Mrs. Perfect Attendance, the queen, Queen Tay. What's up, everybody? Peter, we got to get these hands, baby. All those hands. All those hands. Because I literally just woke up. I'm tired. As you should be. You've been, listen, the type of week you had, yeah, I kept sleeping. Yeah, I legit woke up when I text you like I need five minutes. I legit just woke up. I figured that. I'm like, it's Sunday and she's home, so like, right. yeah. <laughs> what's going on, guys? So I was saying, welcome back. I can't see the Facebook user, but I can. I'll see it later on. Yeah. Shouts to them. That's probably coming from the Java Tears Network page. But um, shouts to everybody watching. Just not just here on Facebook. Well, not just on Facebook, but YouTube, Twitch, uh, Twitter, Periscope, everywhere. Shout out to everybody watching. So, Tay, how have you been outside of the uh, this week? Because we, we we spoke this whole week, these past two months, basically since the since before the finals. How have you been? I'm alive. God is good. God is good. <laughs> I mean, I've been good. Same. I mean, I can't say same shit different day, but. Oh my god, I look, I look tired. But um, I've been all right. Um, working, living. I'm boring, baby. <laughs> That's all you can do. Just life just gotta be boring. Boring at a certain point. At a certain time, you gotta just yeah, boring. a boring life is usually a good life at this time. So. I'm boring. I'm boring. I'm boring. Um, my daughter graduated from eighth grade. Top of the class, too. Let's not forget. Top of the class. Which is everything. Um, what other milestones? I bought a car. Yes. You know? Yes. I remember. I, re- I remember, excuse me, you were um you were coming on the show one day and then you had a situation with the car. Yeah, my um, a couple of I don't know. I don't. I I'm normally even tempered. People think that I'm a hothead, but I'm not really a hothead. But I don't like getting the runaround. Um, I bought a car, and the mechanic wasn't answering the phone, so I called Mm -hmm. him from a different number. He answered, and I, I cursed him out really, really, really bad. (laughs) Imagine like I'm trying to get a hold of this man for two months. Right. I went him. Damn. As you should have. You, you, you had every right to. 
I'm like, don't you want this money? Like, what? I'm chasing after you to give you money. I think I just called them for the principal. I, of course, yeah. I want to play house, but it's just the principal. You're gonna answer. No, having to chase after somebody to give them money is, is out of this damn world. Wow, so. wow, wow, super wow. wild, super wild. And you know what? Yeah. I'm, I'm not appreciating this damn heat. I mean, last summer. Uh, nah, yeah, nah. It's too much. It's too much. La- maybe I wasn't here as often. But this feels abusive. Like, I don't want to do anything. I don't want to go anywhere. I don't want to do anything or see anybody or even sit in a hot ass room. Yeah, that this weather is, is terrible. Just terrible. I can't, I can't even deal with it. Can't even deal. Can't bother. Oh, man. These um for me these past few months have been uh, a little boring, but just you know a few life updates. Like I, I for people who know, I was in LaGuardia Airport for a year, um, and shout out to the people there at LaGuardia Airport. Um, they're very great people, very great people. Um, but I had to make a career choice to go back home, back to JFK. Uh, it's been nothing but but. Butterflies and rainbows for the for the most part right now right now but you know it's all it's all gonna go downhill soon I know <laughs> but you know um I'm I'm happy to be back at JFK I've combined between the jobs that I've had at JFK I've only I've been at JFK almost eleven years maybe oh wow so, yeah between the post office and and a few other things there and the airlines of course JFK has been my home for almost ten years so. Well, that's nice. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not too bad coming back to your home base as a supervisor. So, right. Yeah. It's only, it's only up from here. Up from here. So, oh. shout out to BK Matt, first and foremost. Um, shout out to BK Matt. Um, he's out on assignment. He'll definitely be back soon. So, shout out to him. Um, Peter is late, so we're going to blow him up. Shout out to Pete Rosado, but he's late. But he's gonna get. I, I'm not even gonna do it. I'm just gonna let Tay do it. <laughs> I'm, I'm not even gonna do it. So, shouts to uh, shout to Michael Bostic, my big bro. Shout out to Michael Bostic. Shout out to Shaq. That name sounds so familiar. Michael Bostic. Yeah. That's that's. Oh, that's oh, okay. <laughs> that's Nelly. That's Nelly Man. <laughs> Oh my god, it's been a while. I, know. Like I see them on Facebook. <laughs> Shout out to Shot. The heat ain't for us for real. It's not. Drizzy, what's going on, brother? What's going on? Shout to this is my, uh, my own me, world. I be in my own world sometimes. I sit here, I barely <laughs> use my phone. I barely use anything. I just be sitting there observing. Observing. <laughs> barely even doing that. Shout out to my friend Taz. This is this is her. I've known her for almost a thousand years. Shout out to Brooklyn Black. This was him. Shout out to Jason. This was him. Yeah. Shout out to everybody. Shout out for all the support and everything. For you know, I know we haven't been on for a while, but for the people who stay around, definitely, most definitely appreciate it. And look who decides to show up to class. Our bad for being on such a hiatus. Yeah. We missed so many yeah. important moments. You know, you Pete, I did. the shit out of you today. You know that. <laughs> 
if you, if you did not live in the the wretched land of the Bronx, you would have got these hands. I mean, you know, ish you know. house. Damn, the teacher is late. That's crazy. Yeah. Like. Yes. Well, it is the summertime, so I don't keep time in the summer. I don't keep no. time in the summer. <laughs> Tay, do do what you gotta do. <laughs> Let's just get on with it. I By just... the way, Tay, the first time for the first time um, on broadcast or on however we want to say, it, first time we're seeing you rock the, the 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 letters. Go ahead, go ahead, Queen, rocking your letters. I love it. Hey, let's go. First time ever. First time ever. There you go. As some people know, I'm a person who likes to keep my worlds really separate. Mm -hmm. Like, I keep my... You guys know a lot more about my personal life than a lot of people, because, you know, I'm really tight-lipped on my moves. You don't say shit to nobody about nothing. No, I don't tell nobody nothing. You guys know a lot about that. You know, my sorority life is my sorority life. Um, Mm -hmm. I try to do a lot of community service, you know, for developing um, people of color, I'm just trying to help as much as I can. And then, you know, I keep my work life very separate. My mom life very separate. So, you know, it just this is the first thing I grabbed. Like I said, I woke up five minutes, and I still ended up being on time, Peter. Yeah, she got here before the shot clock expired, right? The shot clock was for 1220. Yeah, yeah, I got here to talk. I definitely got here to talk to you. Because I was like, I need five minutes, but I need a long nap, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> you have to put on no makeup or nothing just to stick. Just gloss or whatever. After you want to call it. Whatever the house we want to call it. But, guys, I'm happy let's to be back. Let's go. Get up. Let's go. All right. Let's gonna... go. Let's go. Let's <laughs> go. That's so immature. It's not even fucking funny. <laughs> we all are. I, I, you know, we're the worst. I, I'm, I'm glad people can't get read what we write to each other. Oh my god. <laughs> oh man. All right, let's get right into it. You know, let, let's get the energy off with with Tay's favorite song real quick. <laughs> Matt's favorite point guard, quote-unquote, light-skinned Jesus, quote-unquote, Wondell Stephen Curry, led the Warriors to their fourth finals um, championship. And um, it wasn't dramatic fashion, but you can see what team was, was, was the more experienced team in that finals. Who did they play against again? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. The Cs, the, the low KCs. It went to game five, right? Game six. Oh wow. You see, that's what happens when you're not. Yeah, it went to it went to game six. It was um it was a int- very interesting series out of all the games to out it's only one game where Steph scored less than thirty, less than twenty something. And it was sixteen and then the Warriors still won. Now, a lot of people are saying 
this this puts Steph inside the top ten all time. Um, if I'm putting Steph in the top ten, I'm knocking. I'm probably knocking out Wilt Chamberlain out 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 the top ten all time. But um, what do you guys think about this championship, this finals? Um, what did it do for Steph's legacy? You know, this is my thing. Like mm-hmm. we put so much stock into cementing someone's legacy before they're even done. And I feel like mm-hmm. he didn't even need this championship for his legacy to be cemented as one of the greats. I feel like we put too much stock on rings, given the fact that it is a team game. And you could be the best player. We've seen it with LeBron several times. You could be like the most incredible player on a mediocre team, and it mm-hmm. does nothing for you. Does it compromise your legacy? It should not. But um, they won in very decisive fashion. I mean, I had no doubt that the the from the beginning of the of the season, I said that the Golden State Warriors were going to win the, the chip. I said it. Um, I felt as if this was their year. And um, when it comes to Stephen Curry, like, I saw the greatness 10 years ago. I saw this kid being one of the greats 10 years ago. And I feel like you guys, not you guys, but people got to, people have put respect on his name. I don't feel like people have not. I think people have given him just due. Granted, the way that they played the game changed changed the league. It, I think, changed the league for the worst. Mm-hmm. Um. I think the reliance on the three ball is kind of trash. And we thought that we were trying to turn a corner when the um, Milwaukee Bucks won the year before. You know, then when you see teams like the the Toronto Raptors win, you know, they have a more defensive-minded squad. So, you know, hopefully we can kind of get out this three-point shooting contest that we call the NBA and um, really play some real ball. Three point shooting contest. Yep. Yeah, Every it definitely game is. Shooting contest. It, it definitely is. So, Pete, my my alternative question. And Draymond Green talks too much. I'm sorry. I don't care. They could have won every championship from here to Timbuktu. Keep your keep it on the court. If it's not about important issues. If it's not about using your platform to elevate things that, like police brutality, like you know, Black Lives Matter, like even women's rights or, or any type of divisive thing, as a public figure, you want to kind of speak about, he talks too much, too much, so distracting. Yeah, I think um, he does talk too much, but. I, I the only reason why I give him a pass because he's talking about the game for the most part. He's not talking about he's talking about anything that just happened, the games that he just played, anything like that. But he was a big distraction. He was more of a distraction he to himself a, to the, than the rest of the team. He was honestly, a big distraction. He was a big but, distraction. And would we have said that if they lost? Well, we yeah. have been like, oh, you know, at least he was talking about the game. Had they lost, no, we would have been like, you know what, you need to shut up. You weren't focused. You weren't yeah. focused. Right. Yeah. Pete, your thoughts on the finals uh, on the Boston side of it? Like, where does Boston go from here? 
Well, Boston's going to definitely – I mean, listen, they're going to retool around Tatum and Jalen Brown, uh, who were the two big stars in this series. The problem is Tatum's really going to need to to step up in terms of his shooting. Um, you know, he did score uh, many in many games over 20 points, was sometimes the leading scorer. They really kind of um, fluctuated between him and Jalen Brown. But, you know, for example, you look at game one, which, by the way – Boston won, but J- Jason Tatum played 41 and a half minutes and shot three for 17 from the floor. You know, that's not acceptable when you're considered to be one of the top. When, when you're one of the top options on that team, um, you know, you can't be shooting three for 17. When you really look at it, you know, the Warriors have weapons everywhere you look, even though the primary scorer on that team was Steph. When you look at when you look at the overall statistics for the finals uh, in terms of scoring, Steph averaged 31.2 points a game over the six-game finals. The next leading scorer was Andrew Wiggins at 18.3. Okay. Uh, when you look at the Celtics, you had Jalen Brown at 23 and a half, Tatum at 21 and a half, and then Marcus Smart at 15. So you, it looks like the Celtics have more balance. The problem is the Warriors just had so many weapons in Steph. They had Clay who could who could score when he needed to. You had Jordan Poole who you know had a coming out party in the uh, in in the finals and the playoffs. You had Gary Payton the second. Um, who was able to score when he needed to. You had Draymond, who was able to drop buckets when he needed to. Um, When you look at people on the Celtics squad, they didn't have that, and they didn't have any consistency. So what they really need to do is they have a very good squad. They made the finals. Let's give them the credit they deserve for making the finals, but they really need to build a more consistent squad around Brown and Tatum because what the Warriors showed is, listen – we don't need to get 20 points out of everybody, but we can get 30 points on any given night out of somebody. And I think that's what's always made the Warriors dangerous. And mind you, they played this whole year without James Wiseman, right? They played this whole year without James Wiseman. They, they kind of pulled a LeBron where it's like, you know, Clay was out for most of the year, then came back and was, Clay was still finding his wheels in the playoffs. He wasn't Clay, right? He was still finding his wheels in the playoffs. Steph really, Steph and Draymond really carried this team for the vast majority of the year. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what they become next year, Golden State, because they are they are losing some pieces. Uh, but when it comes to Boston, really, they have a good core. Honestly enough, they got oh, Robert Williams. You know, got Robert Williams the third. You got Jalen Brown. You got Tatum. You got Smart. You got the veteran in Horford. But they really need to get a much better bench because they really did not have a good bench. I mean, outside of Derek White coming off the bench and Robert Williams the third, you really fall off because then you got Grant Williams, Peyton Pritchard, Luke Cornett. Like you didn't really have a lot of great players coming off that bench. So. When Tatum and Brown were not on the floor, the production for the Celtics really dipped. I want to say, uh, hold on. Let me let me just say something real quick. Two things. Are I'm you going to talk about what we're about to say? 
Wait. Three things I want to say, actually. Can, One, can I post it first? I'm gonna post it on the screen, and so you have, so everyone have reference who's listening. So, for what we're gonna address right now. Uh, one of our listeners, Vin Forte, says, so Draymond, speaking about the Draymond part, so Draymond should shut up and dribble. Just don't listen to him. No one is forcing you to listen to him. First of all, I wasn't talking about his podcast. That's number one. I'm talking about his antics on the court and off the court. Every time they, he's always complaining about calls. First of all, don't put words in my mouth. I would never tell an athlete shut up and dribble. That's number one. You get what I'm saying? What I'm saying is the complaining about the calls always being one thing short of a technical foul you are a veteran in this game and there are some things that you that you leave to the rookie kids you get what i'm saying you have young players looking up to you on your same team looking to you to be just as productive on the court in your play and in your behavior you know what i'm saying i paid not one ounce of attention to this podcast i feel like okay say what you want right but when you're not when you're not, when you're a distraction to me, eventually it's all good and dandy when your team is winning. What happens when your team is losing? And I bet you if the, if the Golden State Warriors would have lost that series, what do you think would have been one of the first things they would have said? Draymond was complaining. Draymond was a disaster. Draymond was distracted. You know that this is the narratives that would have been would have been said. So let's keep the same energy when they win and when they lose. And I always say this about Draymond, always. So this is not something about me being, oh my god, I'm just listening. I, I have, I, to be honest with you, I didn't listen to not one episode of his podcast. I didn't even know he had a podcast. I couldn't care less. I'm talking about what I see him do on the court, which to me is a lot of complaining, a lot of immature antics which somebody who's been in this league for so long should know better. And second, I never meant to throw shade at Michael Bostic. I'm so used to everybody calling him Mikey that I was like, when I saw that name, I was like, what is that? But anyway, that's my piece. My piece about the that comment is, again, we have been advocates for everything everything under the sun that we could be an advocate about pushing pro black when it comes to, to players, uh, anybody, even outside sports, we've been, we've been super pro black. So for us to be, to, for you to have listened to us and not go back and, and listen to, to see, like we've had arguments on the episodes with each other about Colin Kaepernick. <laughs> like, like we, We've been friends for how long? Forever, like the last five years or so, right? Um, and throughout all of us, we've always said one thing, like we're, we're, we're pro-black. So for us, for you to think that we're saying shut up and dribble, like why would why would we tell somebody to shut up and dribble? We just had, we had an episode about Laura Ingram saying that to LeBron. Like, <laughs> again, and what we're saying... Go ahead, Drew, I'm sorry. I'll address. Go ahead. What 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 we're saying is that nobody's telling him not to do his podcast. Draymond Green is a grown ass man with kids and a wife. You can do whatever you want. Our thing is if your focus isn't on what's going on on the court, then maybe you need to reevaluate. Nobody's telling you to shut up and dribble. But what we're saying is, yo, 
you are an NBA player. You're getting paid almost a max contract in the NBA finals to win a championship, to bring that fourth championship home. You have to play. You had to have played better. You only played good in one game out the series. One game. One one game. game. One game. I think, you know, and when we think about the context of what Laura Ingram was saying, when we, because, you know, so many people have now co opted the phrase shut up and dribble, right? When we think about what Laura Ingram was saying, right? First of all, it was coming from a space of don't want to hear a strong black man taking a stand and doing this, that, and that, right? But even if you take that out of it, right? Even if for a moment you take that out of it, what Laura Ingram and what so many people have been saying when they say shut up and dribble is that they don't want to hear sports stars talking about non-sports things, talking about world events, kind of sports stars being politicians and things like that. Here's the thing. They deserve a, st- they deserve a, a stand. They deserve to be able to speak on what's happening in the world because they are citizens of this world just like all of us are. Yes, on their own personal time, on Draymond's podcast, on whatever he has a platform, even if that means post-game. Listen, no one's telling Steve Kerr to shut up and coach when he's sit, when he's standing on the pope, when he's standing on the podium, rightfully upset and crying about what happened in Uvalde, Texas. No one was telling Steve Kerr to shut up and coach, right? Because he's a white man, right? At the end of the day. Everybody, whether they're a sports star or not, deserves the platform to be able to speak on world events and what's happening. And especially when you are a black man or a black person or a person of color in this country that does not have the access to platforms that everyone else does, okay, you got to say what you got to say when you can say it. When we are talking about Draymond Green, we're not saying shut up and dribble in the context that Laura Ingram said it. We're saying shut up and dribble in the context of play the damn game. Worry about the game at hand. We have no issue. None of us on this podcast, and this is one of the very few times where I think I can speak for all of us. None of us have a problem with Draymond Green using his platform to speak about world events and events that affect him and his people. No one on this show has a problem with that. What we have a problem with is the childish antics that Draymond Green continuously brings to the game of basketball, the way he tries to make the focus all about him and the fouls and his battle with the refs. Listen, this is not the bad boy Pistons. The refs ain't out to get you. You're not Rasheed Wallace. You're not one of these players that's out here like you go breathe on somebody and they coming after you. I'm sorry, Draymond. I know he kind of wants to be, but you're not this generation's Dennis Rodman. You're not. Okay? Everybody ain't out to get you, brother. Okay? I get it. Are the refs a little unfair towards you? Yes. Is the NBA system towards is the NBA system towards the way that they judge you? Based on your previous history, a little unfair. Yes, and we can say that about a lot of players, right? We used to say that about Rasheed Wallace later in his career when he was with the Detroit Pistons. God forbid Rasheed Wallace breathe on somebody, they're going to call him for a flagrant based on his history, okay? So when we are talking about Draymond Green shut up and dribble, we're not talking in the same context that so many people around this world, so many white people and so many other people have used the terminology of shut up and dribble. We're talking within the context of the game. Do your job. Win the game. And that's it. 
Then go do what you need to do. Go talk on what you need to talk on. But just, but I'm just saying, it's the immaturity yep. of it all. You get what I'm saying? It's just like the almost hating <laughs> the referees to give you a technical, debating your opponents to do something about it. You get what I'm saying? And then get mad that the Boston Celtics, the, the Boston team, the way that they taunt is disgusting and ridiculous, by the way, and very racist. But then, very racist. Very. You get what I'm saying? So I understand the not feeling comfortable playing in PD Garden. I get that. But just like the I feel like he almost incites for people to to have something to say. And you're not Dennis Rodman. You're not you're not that. And he didn't play well these finals at all. One game where he almost had a triple double. One game. And it, it, was, it, it was a regular triple double. I'm not saying, yo, a triple double is hard to get, but I'm just saying, like, out of the six games you play, you only scored over 10 points in one of the games, in, in that one game. You only got more than 10 rebounds in that same game that you scored 10 points in. So, um, and Vin, nobody has a problem with the 30 minute podcast, but trying to compare what. Draymond is doing Draymond doing a podcast and joining gambling it is is two separate ends of the spectrum. Now, now I think you do you being stretch Armstrong with your opinions because it's it, it two different things. Yes, we want we want larger than life athletes, but at the end of the day, we want athletes too. We, like I want my players to play on the floor. Um, but the like, thing is, what are we? Like, I've just said twice yeah. that I don't care about the podcast. Yeah, I'm saying that again for the third time. I'm not saying mm-hmm. about his podcast. Mm-hmm. I have again for the fourth time. I'm not talking about his 30 minute podcast. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know it was 30 minutes. I'm talking about his antics on the court. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm talking about. The immaturity that he shows to somebody who's now a four time NBA Finals champion, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, he, play, he plays. He plays like the villain. He plays like the villain. At some point, but the thing is, he makes himself that way. Right. Nobody wants yeah. him to be. Nobody wants that. He has this convoluted thought that he's just the villain. But the thing is, you're almost inciting that more than somebody is making you do that. And I don't care about. Like I said, I'm not getting into. Everybody knows how I feel about Jordan, so I'm not even going to get into my yeah. whole song and talk about that. But I'm not talking about a podcast. I'm talking about his immature antics on the court. And even doing those post-game shows. The thing is, mm-hmm. like, you don't realize, like, when you are in a, in, in a spot where everybody's applauding you as top defense, top team, top this, one of the top guys, you have to carry around top guy responsibility. Absolutely. Absolutely. As one of the heads of that team, one of the big three of uh, – uh, what people are calling a, a dynasty team, you need to play better in the finals. We crucified, yes. not we, but people crucified Steph Curry for how bad he plays in the finals. Steph Curry averages almost 28 points. In he the carried finals. that team. He carried that yeah. team. Yeah. He kept baby. And, like, yeah. And the thing is, I don't understand how people, I just never saw the Boston Celtics beating the Golden State Warriors anyway. 
Um, I didn't see it either. But <laughs> if we had to go through how Draymond was playing, they looked hella vulnerable. They still took them to six games. Yeah. Let's not forget that too. It and wasn't Clay wasn't wasn't game. good either. Clay wasn't good either. No, not at all. Not at all. And to be Andrew honest, Wiggins was the number two. Exactly. And the problem was, you know, I don't know if the if it was Steph Curry playing the Golden State Warrior out playing the Boston Celtics. I think that's what did it for them. But I also think that if the Celtics had maybe one or two more pieces, we would be having a different maybe even one more piece because Al Horford, I feel, is the unsung NBA Finals uh, MVP. Playoffs MVP. Yeah, yeah and, and Derek White was doing his thing for the for the Celtics too. Yeah, but um, actually, Jalen Brown, Jalen Brown was looking like the number one. Al, Al Horford was the reason why they were competitive. Yeah. So, moving forward, um, from one person in the media who likes to act up to another person in the media who does not like to be judged. Kevin Durant. <laughs> As everybody knows, Kevin Durant has requested a trade from the Brooklyn Nets. This comes off the heels of Kyrie Irving not accepting to, uh, well, the Nets not offering to to ex- give Kyrie an extension and Kyrie having to opt in. Uh, nobody knows exactly why Kevin Durant is wanting to trade, only Kevin Durant. But Pete, because this is your team, and I, I waved goodbye to the team once they got KD and Kyrie. <laughs> um, how do I ask this? What what is going on, going on with your Nets, fam? Like, what is going on with your Nets? <laughs> A lot. A lot is going on with the Nets. Um, and as we kind of unpacked, everything that has happened with the Nets over the last couple of weeks, it's become even more confusing than it has answered any kind of questions. Um, So just to go with the timeline, Kyrie opts in to his contract. And then literally 24 to 48 hours later, we get a report that Kevin Durant uh, spoke to Joe Psy, owner of the Nets and asked for and requested a trade. Since then, We've seen almost every major destination and every major blue chip player that the Nets could acquire based on this list of teams that Durant wants to go to essentially become untradeable. Um, So this really opens up a question on what's going on. The Nets, you know, their general manager, Sean Marks, is not going to give up um, Durant for nothing because he, he is, regardless of what people may think, he is a very good general manager. Um, so he's not going to give up Durant for nothing. And now stories are coming out that this may all be a ruse, that this all may be a game being played by Durant to get Kyrie to want it to be traded. So Kyrie could leave. Um, and you know, he doesn't have to, you know, it's kind of this whole, like, I don't want, I told you I'd be with you. And if you leave, I'd leave, but I kind of don't want to play with you anymore, but I don't want you to put it on me. So I'm going to ask for a trade. So you ask to be traded, but then they'll trade you and I'll stay. 
you know, it's some, it's really, really weird. It's gotten very, very, very confusing in Brooklyn with what's going on. They re-signed Patty Mills. They re-signed some of the core um, backup players they've been looking at re-signing. But again, all these major destinations that apparently Durant wanted to go to are now unavailable. You can't go to Phoenix because they're not getting rid of Booker and they just signed Aiton. Uh, to that uh, max contract uh, matching the offer sheet. So they can't trade eight in at least not until January. Uh, he's not going to uh, Miami because the only person they can get back is Bam and Bam being on a max contract. You'd have to trade Ben Simmons in order to get Bam because of the supermax rule. The so rookie, it's the rookie extension, the rookie extension rule for that. Right. All of these, all of these different players that you would have targeted had you been, um, had you been Boston, I mean, had you been Brooklyn, are now kind of off the table, and it's very, very confusing. Really, um, confusing. um I find that this is another <coughs> thing that really pissed me off when it comes to the league. Like, okay, you guys are a bust, so now you're you're forcing the team to move heaven and earth. To get rid of you because you don't want to play there anymore. Because I feel like this is nonsense, honestly. It's it's boring. It's ridiculous. And uh, unfortunately, another decent team is probably going to get blown up to make room for Kevin Durant, who, you know, who isn't what he used to be. Kevin let the, the Knicks do that all the time. Knicks, just do what you do. Just keep nicking. Just get Kevin Durant. Trade everybody. Get Kevin Durant. <laughs> get both of them. Kyrie and KD, let them let them run the Knicks. You know, and Kyrie and Kyrie. Nah, they, they don't want to go with an actual coach. Tom Thibodeau have them want to be traded the next week. You have, and you have basically the story on Kyrie is that he just want to go to L.A. You know, and every trade scenario we've seen with Kyrie is, oh, them trading him and getting Russ in return. I don't want Russell Westbrook. Nah, like, you don't have to eat that. What is this? You don't have to eat that. Listen, let me, let me, it's, it's interesting. Y'all need, need to stop shitting on, on Russell Westbrook, okay? Because I, listen, I think his game, his game that he's on. Has KD done anything impressive on his own since he left, the, since he left that team too? So yeah. let's, let's be real, okay? Let's let let's call it. Let's keep it a buck. That um Oklahoma City Thunder team when you had your big three of James Harden, KD, and Russell Westbrook. None of neither not either one of them has done anything on their own. Agreed. KD really joined the team that didn't need him. They just needed him to beat gonna win that championship anyway. Okay, so you know, I listen. I like Russell Westbrook when his game is on. When it talk about just his game, I like it. Same thing with Kyrie. I like his game. His game is good, but personality things I don't want to deal with. I don't want to deal with the Russell Westbrook headache. I don't want to deal with the Kyrie Irving headache. I don't want to deal with any of that. But Kyrie just, you know, Kyrie is a whole nother ball of wax, and then some. And I really don't understand what's going on in the world of Kyrie Irving. Um, you know, I, 
that seemed they looked like there was another destination for him. Apparently, Dallas is interested. They were talking about if they lost Jalen Brunson to the Knicks, which they did, um, that they would be interested in getting Kyrie so they could have uh, somebody to take the the load off of Luka Doncic. Um, so it, it'd be very interesting to see if that actually pans out. But I cannot see this team starting the season with both Kyrie and KD on this team next season. I can't see it coexisting. I can't. KD is is, is the reason why stuff like that was ha- happening is the reason why but like like someone like Tay is not watching the game anymore. Because I get the player empowerment. I love the player empowerment, but to an extent. The Nets just gave you a four-year deal, a four-year extension, and you're requesting a trade. Mm-hmm. You didn't force your way to Brooklyn. You uh, you became a free agent. You went to Brooklyn. You said, the only way I'm signing is if Kyrie comes with me and if we fire the head coach. That they did both. Got Steve Nash. Got everybody they wanted around them. Oh, I don't like this. Go get James Harden so we can win. Deplete the team. Get James Harden. Now you have no draft pick for the foreseeable future, right? COVID happens. Kyrie can't play. Or Kyrie's wishy-washy. James is like, I didn't sign up for this. James Harden forces his way out of Brooklyn. Boom. This is the issue that we're having. The next front office, as good as they are, they are bad. They're, they're probably worse at the same time. And the reason being is that you gave two players the power to basically destroy your team. They destroy, they're going to destroy the team. And they're not just going to destroy that team. They're going to destroy at least two to three more teams with it. Because if Kyrie doesn't go to L.A., if it's not a one for one for for LA, or it'll be two for one. It'll be Kyrie and Seth for 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 Westbrook. If it's not that, another team is getting blown up just to get Kyrie Irving, just to get Kevin Durant. Why? And Still, I nobody forget, knows. I forget who said it. I forget who said it. I think, I think it was Skip, and it's been a long mm-hmm. time since I've agreed with something that Skip has said. But Skip said something that really got me got me thinking. He talked about how when it comes to these NBA contracts, these teams have no sense of security, right? You no. you go get your money. First of all, your, your, your contract's guaranteed, but you get your money, right? And, and then you could just say, oh, I want out. And these teams, because the NBA is so player-driven player in terms of being player-controlled, they just got to get rid of players and, and things like that. But the player doesn't owe anything to the team, but the team's got to give you all your money. The minute you sign that contract, you got to get all your money, but now you, you don't owe anything to the team. And I agreed with something that what, what Skip said, where he said, you know, especially when you're signing these long-term deals, like there should be something in place where it's just like, you got to give the team something back. And he can understand something where it's like tumultuous situation, Things are changing, all that other stuff. He can understand that, and I understand that as well, right? All of a sudden, 
ownership changes, whole entire team mentality changes. I want out. All right, cool. I get that. But nothing has changed. They've done everything you wanted. You signed a, you willingly signed a four-year extension. Willingly. And now, before that extension has even officially kicked in, you asking to leave. And Not this was, and he, and he signed that extension, <laughs> I believe, before the whole mandate was lifted. He yep. signed this a little bit after the All-Star break. Yep. So you knew what you were getting into when you signed. If Eric Adams doesn't lift the mandate, we're still talking. Well, not well, we're not talking about it. We wouldn't be talking about it no more. But Kyrie's not playing next year for forty-two of the the eighty-two games, forty-one of the eighty-two games. Right. For I'm sorry, um, he's not playing for forty-eight of the. I mean, forty-six of the the games. Because you got to play in Toronto. And, and yeah. So, again, KD, you knew what you signed up for. The problem that I'm having with KD, KD is an all-time talent. My problem with him is the fact that he is way too emotional. And we – I try, we try not to judge players on the character of what they do off the court. But his off the court stuff is messing with things on the court. Kevin Durant wants to go to a team like Phoenix. You have to take everything that is good with Phoenix and send it to Brooklyn just to get KD. He wants to go to Miami. You have to take everything that's good with Miami and send it to Brooklyn. What team wants to deplete their whole team? And the problem with this is that that whole Rudy Gobert trade that happened with Utah getting basically five first-round picks for Rudy Gobert. You're talking about Rudy Gobert? The, another team is going to want the Titanic. The Nets are going to want the Titanic. Rightfully so, they should. They should get. They should. They should want the Titanic for a player the caliber of Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. The, the problem is, Jerry West said it. There's nothing that you can give a team to give them the same quality of what you're getting in Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. If you're going to make the trade. I see nothing wrong with pairing up um, Westbrook and 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 KD again, but you probably might have to get Ben Simmons off your books, maybe, if you're gonna do that, or put move K, move Ben Simmons to the four, or some, something like that, because the Nets are out of options with these guys. These guys really messed the past how many years? Almost three or four years. Yeah, the past three years, the team has done nothing. And they paid Durant to sit on the bench and rehab that injury. Paid him that whole time. They didn't have to. And and they didn't have to. They didn't have to. So, moving away from from the NBA, also, like I said, the Knicks are about to – a deal is going to be done shortly with Donovan Mitchell within this week, getting him to the Knicks. We don't know how much, but – Listen, I thought uh, the trade, the the rumored trade that they were offered was actually really good for them, and they didn't take it. The which one? The the one. one with, they, listen, if I if I were the Knicks, and I've been thinking about this for a couple of days now. When mm-hmm. I well, about a, about a week or so now, ever since I heard, you know, the fact that Donovan's back on the market, I'd get rid of Toppin. I'd get rid of quickly. I'd get rid of either Fournier or Randall. One of the two's got to go. Oh, Randall got to go. 
you know, one of those <laughs> got to go in his deal. Um, I'd keep know, top. I, I'd keep topping if I'm getting rid of Randall. There's no reason well, to get rid of. Well, no, else. I'd get I'd get rid of topping. Yeah. I'd get well, well, yeah. If you're if you're getting rid of Randall, I'd keep topping. But Fournier or Randall, one of them's got to go. Get rid of everyone. Um, You've got quickly gone. Cancel the whole team. No, I think you know they they have some pieces. They have some pieces on that team, and I can understand them not wanting to get rid of. Go to a different team. Pack it up. (laughs) I know. I know they don't want to start it over. I know they don't want to get rid of Quentin Grimes. I know they don't want to get rid of uh, certain certain young pieces. Um, All the pieces got to go. Topping, topping can go quickly. Can go as much as you like them. Um, I would love to keep quickly, just simply because I don't, I don't anticipate Derrick Rose being where you need to go. But I understand keeping D Rose. Derrick Rose is still playing. Oh, I yeah. forgot Derrick Rose is still on the team. I thought, I thought he was in his contract year last year. For some reason, yeah. why did I think he was with the Portland Trailblazers? <laughs> he might be there too. <laughs> No, that's just me. Um, get rid of the whole team. Uh, the only person that needs to be on that team is Tom Thibodeau as the coach. I think you start completely from scratch. I think you rename the team. You get rid of James Dolan too. So that's it. Bring yeah, John Starks back, or that's the only way the Knicks are going to have a chance. Bring John Starks to start. You're starting too. And Allen Houston too. That that'd be way too much money on their books. Allen Houston probably asking for for Steph Curry money right now. You know, but you got you got guys like you got movable pieces, right? Quick, you got like I said, you got quickly got Randall. You got to move Randall or Fournier. Mitchell Robinson might be up to be moved, considering that they just got Isaiah Hardenstein from the Clippers, and it's like at this point they just resigned him. Yeah, but at this point, I mean. If I can get Donovan Mitchell for the injury risk that is Mitchell Robinson, I'd take it. I'm not trading Mitchell Robinson. Nah, hell no. I, listen, the boy can't play more than 20 minutes a game. He can't. That's fine. Can't. His 20 minutes are impactful, better than Randall playing 40 and being garbage. Like, I get rid of Randall, too. I, I feel like that's going to be harder because he's making $21 million. No, that should be easier because he's making $21 million. Like, You know, but... You know, you've got, like I said, it's between Fournier and Randall. Um, you know, but you've got pieces like Toppin, Jericho Sims, Cam Reddish, Quickly, Miles McBride, you know, that you can kind of package away to get Donovan Mitchell as well as giving away a couple of first-round picks because now you're going to have Jalen Brunson, uh-huh. Donovan Mitchell, Terrible backcourt. Terrible you're backcourt. Keeping, you're keeping R.J. Barrett. Uh-huh. You're going to end up keeping either Fournier or Randall. So now you've ha- you've got four positions. If you keep, and I would try to get rid of Fournier because you now have Brunson at the one, Mitchell at the two, uh, R.J. at the three, Randall at the four. And if you end up keeping Mitchell Robinson or Isaiah Hardenstein, you have them at the five. That's your starting five right there, and then you fill out your bench. Um, yeah, no, um, probably. See, not impressed. Next, yeah, I'm not impressed either, <laughs> honestly, with it because I'm looking at that backcourt. You have two guys sub six <laughs> three as you're you're one and your two, who are not very good defenders at all, right? 
So now they're lucky they're not in the West, having to play Steph Curry four times in a year, having to play Dame four times in a year. Well, Dame, I mean, Dame is, is he plays hero ball, and at the end of the day, like that doesn't really take you far, um, yeah. as we've seen with the with, with Dame and everyone else, but uh, Dame in particular. But can we just say that like New York City basketball is like dead? Oh yeah, I'd rather go see street ball. Yeah. At the end of the day, like the the best this this is not even the best Nets team. I feel like the best Nets team was the team that they blew up to get Kyrie and KD. Oh, I'd I'd go further. I'd go further back than I that. I don't think that. the Nets have had a great <laughs> season in the early two thousands with with Kenyon with Kenyon Richard Kittles yeah. and Kid. No, most recent. I'm just talking about recently. I mean, oh. they had a, a solid core before blowing that up to do, you know, with the allure of the superstars. Everybody was already talking about um, championship banners and everything. It's just like KD hasn't won without Steph, and Kyrie ain't won without LeBron. That's the fact. I know Matt will get mad and all the stuff like that, but I'm just going by what I see on paper. Well, you know, you know, and it's – Here's here's the thing, and I don't I don't usually like blaming LeBron for for things, but the the con there's a lot of teams that took what LeBron did in Miami and twisted the context of it to say, oh, if we just get two or three superstars on one team, we're gonna win a championship because they looked at what happened in Miami. Um, outside of that, that loss to the Mavericks and things like that, lost um, right? They, you know, they looked at what happened there and they said, "Oh, we get two to three superstars on the team, we 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 can have that super team and we can win the championship." And so, a lot of people took what LeBron did and took it out of context and didn't realize you had two generational players on that team. You didn't just have two star, three stars. You had a B-level star in Chris Bosh, and you had two generational players in LeBron and Dwayne Wade. And then you had people very similar to what we would see sometimes in New England. You had players, role players, who were willing to come in and play for Miami for no money almost because they knew they were going to get to a title or at least get to the finals with that team around them. And unfortunately, every other team has tried to follow that model, that super team model, not realizing you may be trying to make a super team, but the, the reason why these super teams that everybody's making now is not are not successful versus why the Miamis and the Golden States are successful is because of the caliber of player you have anchoring those super teams, okay? And, and, and you're not going to find just another generational player like a LeBron or Dwayne Wade anywhere. What I consider a super team are three or more players that can win a championship on their own. Coming together in one team and kind of demolishing the league or whatever. I feel like the super team model doesn't work more often than it does. I mean, they called the Boston Celtics in 2007-2008, which is the first reiteration, the first iteration of what you will consider a super team in this generation. Um, 
they tried it with the LA Lakers. They tried to get Carl Malone, Gary Payton, um, Kobe Bryant on one team, and they lost to the Pistons. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, the first time, the first season with the um, Miami Super Team didn't work out. Like Pete said, they lost to the Mavs, and then you know, then they had their their time in the sun. I mean, you can't always make it work, and I feel like we saw in different times can you really consider the golden state warriors a super team no no i don't think so because yes but not in the context of the in that context oh in your context no no i'm talking about like a big three a big four they they had a homegrown team Mm -hmm. not not players who came from who had stardom in different franchises and, and coming together to form one megatron of a team you get what I'm saying? So that's why I kind of put them a little bit differently. And then when you look at the, the teams like the Toronto Raptors and the um, the Milwaukee Bucks who won um, over the past five years, you get what I'm saying? Um, they were more balanced teams. So yeah. it, it's, it's how you pick and choose. And I, I really feel like um, the Nets blew up their team for this and bought into this concept and it didn't work for them. Not at all. It didn't work for them at all. No, and then you know, you know, if you really think about it, and a lot of people don't realize this, the only player outside of Kevin Durant that the Golden State Warriors have brought onto that team that was a star somewhere else. And he was not considered a superstar either. He was a right. star, not a yeah, superstar. He, yeah, he definitely a star. He was. He was. You know, people always, you know, people are, are are you know recent memory people where it's just like they forget. No one knew Steph Curry was going to be the type of player that he was when Steph Curry got drafted. First of all, Steph Curry didn't want to be on the Golden State Warriors. There were a lot of reports that he was going to try to get his way out of there because he wanted to go to New York. Okay, so there was already those problems. Then Steph Curry had reoccurring ankle problems and almost thought his career, people thought his career was going to be over. They thought Golden State had busted with drafting him, which is why they drafted Klay Thompson. People forget they drafted Klay Thompson because they didn't think Steph was going to pan out. He was the backup plan because Steph wasn't going to work out with the ankle problem. I remember that. It just so happened. That miraculously, Steph's career turned around. His his health turned out to be much better. He was able to rehab and get back to a place. And he became what he's become in the NBA. And now you just so happen to have these two stars, in, in, in these two incredible players and shooters in, in, Clay and, um, in Clay and Steph. You know? But that wasn't what was supposed to happen. They legitimately thought they were never going to get anything out of Steph, or if they did, they were going to have to trade him for something, and they were going to rebuild around Clay. And and it just so happened that Steph recovered the way that he did. Yeah, and thank God for that. Because <laughs> yeah, because Steph would have been traded to um, Milwaukee and not Monte Ellis. Yeah, and so. you you look you look at a lot of these you know you look at a lot of these teams like like the Queen was saying you know. When we, we forget that the, the idea of a super team has been around in different contexts and different definitions for a long time, because a lot of those teams of the, you know, we go as far back as the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, 
you know, even the '90s when we look at like what we what we saw with the Bulls dynasty, those were considered weren't considered super teams because the idea, the way that we created it now, didn't exist back then. But essentially, they were, they were, but they were they were cultivated young. Remember that you know they they you know a lot of these teams were drafted together. The the Celtics yep. dynasty of the '80s, that team was drafted together. They made maybe one move. Okay, they got Bill Walton when he was on his last legs, right? Garbage. You look at you look at the Bad Boy Pistons. All those guys were drafted, or for they made one trade, the Mark Aguirre trade, right? You and know, the, um, wasn't um wasn't Lynn Bear Mahorn too? Sorry, yeah, right? but, but, but Mahorn wasn't considered a, a big a big name. You know, the, the, the trade for Mark Aguirre was really the big the big trade, kind of like getting them that star. You know, right. when you know when you look at the Bulls, you look at the Celtics, you look at the Lakers. A lot of those teams were brought together through the draft. the The Boston Celtics, for the for the big time about it, when you think about what the Knicks were trying to do originally, remember the Knicks were trying to build one themselves when they were trying to get the Allen Houston's, the John Starks, the Patrick Ewings together, the Latrell Sprewells together. They were trying to build something there as well. Um, but a lot of these teams were drafted in the early days, and then came the Boston Celtics. That was really, and people always gloss over that. People want to go straight to LeBron and make him that villain. People forget, okay, LeBron did it as a free agent. He had the ability to sign anywhere he wanted, and people got on him because he didn't sign where they wanted him to sign. And he went to Miami and went to go play with his boys and Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade and created a super team in Miami. With Boston, it was trades. Got Durant in, got Allen in. You had a young Rondo who came out of nowhere, and you've already got Paul Pierce. But for the most part now, it's been blowing a lot of teams up, and that's why, and I think this is the one thing that Tay didn't touch on, the reason why these super teams don't work, you don't have anyone else on the team. You got the three stars or whatever, your three big-name players, you got no bench, and these guys are having to play 42 minutes a day for 82 games plus the playoffs. These super teams don't work because you wear the stars out because you don't have a bench. I don't don't necessarily – I didn't touch on that because I don't necessarily always agree on that. I feel like the reason why the Brooklyn Nets didn't work out was extenuating circumstances, of course. I mean, they had a rookie coach who had Mm -hmm. no experience outside of this. He's a player-friendly coach that did not have discipline. You get what I'm saying? Then you have um, KD, unfortunately, is he's one of the, the brightest stars in the league. Um, has been for the past, like, over 10 years, but he can't stay healthy. And I'm not even going to touch on the the Kyrie stuff. You know how I feel about that. But I feel like KD wasn't healthy, and then Kyrie wasn't healthy, and then you you have this rookie coach, you get what I'm saying, and you have – they've been to the players' whims. And that's why you have coaches who are coaches and players who are players and GMs who are GMs. We have this system for a reason. Yep, we have to stop blurring the lines. Stop blurring the lines. On, but um, on to some football. <laughs> ESPN dropped a top 10 quarterbacks list for 2022. All right. Let's start at number 10, Dak Prescott. That's fine. He should. Uh, that's fine. Dak Prescott is number 10. Number nine, um, that quarterback for the Browns. Who didn't play all last year? We will not say his name. 
Number eight, Russell Wilson, just recently got traded to Denver. Number seven, Justin Herbert, who had a breakout season this year. Number six, Matthew Stafford, who had an uh, amazing season this year, won the Super Bowl. Number five, Joe Burrow, who was just in the Super Bowl and could have easily won it. Number four, the GOAT, Tom Brady. Number three, Josh Allen. Number two, Patrick Mahomes. And number one, that bad man, Aaron Rodgers. Can I just say, can I just say, why did he keep setting this man up for failure? (laughs) Now I realize it's the media doing it to him. Okay? Number one, (laughs) number one, without his number one receiver? Heading into 22, based on survey of experts, a survey of experts. Yeah, they're wrong. (laughs) I think the experts actually included uh, NFL scouts. uh, They're wrong. People in the office. They're wrong. They're wrong. People are relying on their fandom and not facts. This guy has not won a, a Super Bowl. I don't think he's made a Super Bowl appearance since God knows when. Since he made a Super Bowl appearance. Yeah, but he's number number one. Go off, sis. So I apologize. It says, uh, sorry here. The list was made by a combination of league executives, coaches, scouts, and players. I'm sure they didn't listen they to the damn players. Man up. They said, you know what? Now I realize that my, my energy – needs to be given to the people who keep making these lists. Because after looking at last year, how how could you put – I don't understand this top five at all. Mahomes should not be number two. Josh Allen should be number one. Okay? If you really want to get technical, it should be Josh Allen at number one. Um, I, okay, mm-hmm. I, would, I would put – Aaron Rodgers at number three. Mm-hmm. Um, I will put well Matthew Stafford. I wouldn't put him over um, Tom Brady at all either. But I wouldn't put. I will put Josh Allen at number one. The stock for the, the Buffalo Bills is going to continue to rise. Yeah, and the production for the rest of these teams are going to continue to fall down. I mean, Joe Burrow. I wouldn't have put Joe Burrow over Matthew Stafford either. No, I don't think I want to put him over, but I think that's more of a – that's one of those, well, he's just going to go up from here type of deal. That's true, but. too. That's true, too. Now, my, my big issue, is, as, as was with a lot of people, is you have a quarterback who hasn't been on the field in 18-plus months, let alone play a game, let alone start a game. Um, but you have a, a player who has not been on the field in 18 plus months, and we don't even know if he's going to be on the field this year. As he shouldn't. Le- uh, do the lead not. As he shouldn't. Better and not. you have him ranked number nine. Okay. But, but, but the thing is, like, why does Lamar Jackson get, get this? Right. Thing? I was about to say, and I, where's Lamar Jackson? And y'all know how I feel about Lamar Jackson, but where's Lamar Jackson? What about that, that, that light skinned guy from the Cardinals? Kyler Kyle Murray. Murray, he's he's high on somebody's list on on like I think Fox list, but he's not on ESPN's list. Kyler Murray just got paid. Kyler Murray, people forget that Kyler Murray was busting ass the first ten games of the season. Mm-hmm. 
Cardinals was looking like they were worth a damn. They turned into the Steelers. The the (laughs) Sean Watson, to be honest with you, I hate to even say his name. What did the Texans do with him? They didn't win anything. They didn't go anywhere. They didn't. Didn't even play. (laughs) Come on. Come on, man. You got Lamar Jackson should have easily have been on that list instead of Deshaun Watson. You could have argued and said that maybe Derek Carr, based on what he's been doing recently, uh, could have slipped in on at number 10. But in my opinion, there are quarterbacks in the NFL. Definitely over Dak Prescott. You know. Yeah, Dak uh, Prescott got to take his seat over this top 10 for sure. So. You know, you got, you know, in my opinion, Derek Carr and Lamar Jackson are the two biggest names uh, not on, on this. Okay, and Kyler Murray, I apologize. The three biggest names not on this list. Um, and, and I'm going to do it again. I need to go to Fox, Fox sports list. But I'm I'm going to do it again, Dre Mm -hmm. queen. I'm going to do it again. Brady shouldn't be four at 44 years old. The fact that he's still playing at 44 years old, I think that's why they got him there. Yeah. Yeah. He he just has to be on the list. They all they almost made their asses into that into that Super Bowl. They were close. I mean, don't get me wrong. He's still great. They were closer still, to the damn Packers, I'll tell you that. He's still a great quarterback. Cowboys. You know, <laughs> he's still one of those guys that if even if you give him a minute on the clock in the fourth quarter, you give him the ball, you 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 are shitting your pants. I don't care who you are. Um, hello Falcons. Um, but you know, <laughs> I, I don't understand how a 44-year-old quarterback who's lost his head coach, lost a good portion of that team, is ranked number four above the man who just won the Super Bowl and probably has the best offensive team around him in Matthew Stafford, above Russell Wilson, who probably has the best offensive line in football right now and one of the most and, – and considered to be on a, a big sleeper team. Um you know, I could understand you putting him over a Joe Burrow because Joe Burrow, outside of going to the Super Bowl this year, hasn't still has a lot to prove. I can understand you putting him above Justin Herbert, who hasn't really done anything. But I can't understand guys like Russell Wilson being below people who have not won a Super Bowl yet. Okay? I can understand Josh Allen being in the top three. But in my opinion, if anybody should have been number one on this list, Mahomes should have been one. Allen should have been two. Then one. I'm not giving Mahomes number one. I'm not giving Mahomes number one. Mahomes. I'm giving Mahomes one because he's won a Super Bowl. I'm giving. I'm not giving Mahomes one for what he just did last year. Mahomes was not playing good last year until the end of the year. And then Aaron Rodgers is number one, and he only completed sixty-two percent of his passes. I'd give. I would have given Mahomes number one. He only number one because he got the MVP. Yeah, I would have given, you know, I would have given Mahomes number one, Allen two. If you want to make the case that Stafford having the team around him and just winning the Super Bowl is three going into this season, mm-hmm. I can understand that. On that same logic, I would put Burrow four because of the team that he has and he just made the Super Bowl. And mm-hmm. then I would start that carousel down. Brady, Wilson, yeah. Rodgers to me has to be ranked the lowest just based on the team that he has around him or the lack thereof. So Colin Cow um Colin Coward Cowherd, he made a list. He had Derek Carr at number 10, Kyler Murray at number nine, 
Justin Herbert at number eight, <coughs> Joe Burrow at number seven, Matthew Stafford at number six, Russell Wilson at number five, Aaron Rodgers at number four, Tom Brady at number three, Josh Allen at number two, and Pat Mahomes at number one. Excuse I me. could see that a little bit better, though I think Rodgers is still ranked a little too high. And I think people are ranking Rodgers based on Rodgers. It's like I went to the supermarket a couple days mm-hmm. ago. And I was looking for, you know, anybody who cooks Spanish food, you know you need bay leaves in your in your cabinet, yeah. right? So I went to go find me some bay leaves because I need, I need to make some beans. I didn't see – the only thing of bay leaves I saw was this little small container by McCormick that was like $7.99. I'm like, why the heck am I paying $7.99 for some damn bay leaves? Because of the McCormick name. I'm not paying for the bay leaves. I eventually found a cheaper version, but that's the idea. They're, they're capitalizing off this idea of – the MVPs of what Rodgers was, not what Rodgers is or what he's possibly going to be with the lack of the team around him. And so I feel like they're ranking Rodgers high based on the name and not really based on what he has around him and what he's possibly going to be capable of doing. Now, don't get me wrong. Green Bay's got a soft schedule this year. Green Bay could easily win 10 to 11 games and nobody noticed. And they also have still lose. Right. (laughs) And they also have nobody in that division. The best team in that division besides the Packers is Minnesota with Kirk Cousins. And that's saying what I have to say just by saying that. Um, you know, so the Packers may still very well win their division, win 10, 11, 12 games, and nobody even realize what's going on. And people are going to see here and say Aaron Rodgers is that man because he has no team around him. Please remember, he's got a soft schedule, and there's no other teams in that division. So they're going to get – and easy six wins, just beating up on Chicago, um, Minnesota, and I forget who's the other team in the NFC in the NFC North. But that's what I, that's that's why I called them last year. They are the Packers and the Cowboys are the same team. They're literally the same team. The Packers are gonna, the Cowboys are a better team. Um, the Packers have a better quarterback. Yeah, that uh, yes, for sure. In terms of the energy they give off, the Packers are the same thing as the Cowboys. The Packers are going to go in and run through the division because the division is not that good. The Cowboys are going to run in the division because the division is not that good. And realistically, Dallas is not even supposed to be on, on the eastern the, on the east in the NFC East. If they restructure the teams and Dallas ends up on like on the West Coast, forget about it. Dallas will never make the play. Yeah, forget it. Dallas will never make the playoffs. Like <laughs> so, but in terms of Aaron Rodgers still being number one or or at least top five on people's list, I get the top five ranking. He just won the MVP. Only threw I, five interceptions. Yeah, I'll give him five. I give him five. I give him top five. I'll be fair. I can give him top five, and Brady deserves to be in the top five too. Yeah. And Brady didn't play play the best either. And if we're gonna put Brady in the top five, we definitely have to put Mahomes too. Because Brady and Mahomes, these look like down years for both of them, even though their numbers would say a little bit different. But from the eye test, we watched every game this season. <laughs> like th- those games didn't look the best between both of either of them. But we, you we understand can't that put more. Them there. Yeah. Yeah, you understand it more from a forty four year old quarterback. Than you do mm-hmm. from a quarterback who's in their twenties still, who still yeah. has more to kind of go. Um, I do feel like 
you know, like Peter, you had the perfect analogy about paying for the name only, namesake mm-hmm. only. And I do feel like you can't say that about Brady, though, because that team, they almost made it to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it, it's it's Brady was, is yeah Brady. Listen, Brady. As much as I may hate him as a fan and and all of that, I mean, I, I said this when we thought Brady retired. Brady's a freak of nature. That man is when we when you really want to talk about a bad man, Brady is the real bad man. I'm he's sorry. done more. He's done more with less most of his most of his career and. For people to be feeling bad for Aaron Rodgers now, like because he don't got his number one receiver, figure it out. You're supposed to be that bad man. Figure that shit out. I mean, <laughs> outside of outside of listen, Tom Brady is a man who made Wes Welker into a number one receiver, who almost made Danny Amendola into a number one receiver. Really, the only you know, honestly, outside of I think what his biggest receiver for so many years. In uh in, in New England was if I'm not mistaken, Troy Vincent. Yeah. You know, and then he got Randy yeah. Moss out of nowhere, right? And he was able to go in and, and do what he did with Randy. Um, so when you really talk about that man, man had the greatest receiver, one of the greatest receivers of all time towards the end of his career, still and, and still made him look like he was in his mid-20s again. Right. And made Randy look like he was in his <laughs> mid-20s again. And you know, he had Gronk, uh, who he, he basically made Gronk's career. He basically made a career for a murderer as well before before that happened. You know, made that man into a star in this league. You know, the NFL is a filthy league. <laughs> you know, but, you know, when we when we talk about, you know, that man, we really have to talk about Brady. And But Brady at 44, I mean, with that team that's around him, he did lose a couple pieces. I do agree Brady could be in the top five. I think it should be Mahomes, uh, Mahomes one, Allen two. And I think you're completely right, Queen. You could, you know, you could flip flop those two if you wanted to. But I, I have I have Mahomes one, Allen two. I'd have uh, Stafford three, considering he just won the Super Bowl and he has the best offensive team and a very, very good defensive team in St. In, in LA around him right now. Brady four. And if you want to put Rodgers five because he just won the MVP, you put Rodgers five. I just wonder when you look at how um, they played against each other in the divisional finals this year, right? Mm-hmm. And um, Rodgers played better than Brady that game. You know what I'm saying? So, like you said, I feel like they're interchangeable at four and five. Yeah, Lamar, like Lamar Jackson not being on, on on any of these lists is crazy. They, they're really dishes. They'd rather put they'd rather put a, a sexual deviant <sighs> who hasn't done much in two years almost. But the thing is, even when he was with the Texans, right? He threw for five thousand yards one year, if I'm not mistaken, right? Threw for, I think he threw five thousand yards mo- uh, one or two years. Took them to the playoffs, I think twice. Um, kept them. So, I mean, listen. And got cowboyed out in the first talent, round. So. Talent wise alone, talent wise alone. When Deshaun Watson was playing and he was on, he was one of the most dangerous quarterbacks in the NFL. But simply on the fact that he has not touched a football field in over eighteen months, he has not played a single game 
in over 18 months. That's like expecting Colin Kaepernick to come into the league after not playing for X amount of years and all of a sudden go and, and take a team to the Super Bowl out of nowhere. The man has not been on the field. The only person who has ever stepped in from not being on the field to taking a team to the Super Bowl was Kurt Warner coming off the bagging boy line to take the Rams to the Super Bowl. That's it. Even Tommy Maddox, who took the Pittsburgh Steelers to the playoffs, was playing arena football before he touched an NFL field for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But Lamar Jackson is perennially um, disrespected. I don't Absolutely. know why. He does play, I would say he does have an erratic style of play. I mean, some games he looks like a superstar, and some games he looks like he doesn't know what he's doing out there. <coughs> he reminds me of early Vic before Vic started actually throwing the ball. Yeah, um, before Vic became a quarterback. Do you guys remember, like, they made this big deal about Robert Griffin III? Do you guys remember that? <laughs> we blame Mike Shanahan for that. We blame Mike Shanahan for that. He was everywhere, and people were like, he's the he's the future. He could have been. He could have been. Had Everybody Mike Shanahan not gotten that boy injured, he could have been the future. Almost doesn't count. We got to go with what is. You know I'm not a fan of coulda, woulda, shoulda. I go by what's in front of me. Mike so. Shanahan ended a black man's career. No, people figuring out how to um, figuring out that offense that what that what is it called the, the it's not RPO it's the option play killed him or like well that's just hold up but that was the same uh, that was the same offense that Kaepernick ran and everybody said to Kaepernick take a team to Super Bowl right now. It was, but. <laughs> It's Washington, fam. Like, come and on, RG3, RG3, arm-wise, body-wise, and athleticism-wise, was better than Kaepernick. Yes, at one point in time, for sure. Better I, than I, would not, I would not disagree with that, but he was also on the Washington Generals. Yes. I'm sorry. The Washington, whatever they are. Commanders. The commanders. <laughs> anyway, one last topic, because we spoke about this before, um, and we didn't really... It, we spoke about it before, and then somebody brought it up, and I want to bring it to you. Are we guys talk about Juan Soto turning down a four hundred forty million dollar contract, four hundred forty million dollars over fifteen years to play baseball. Boy, get your money. Four hundred forty million, fifteen. Years. And he's only twenty three. He's only twenty three. But no, Scott Boris wants to try to get him a five hundred million dollar contract to be the villain of baseball again. But this is uh, so we go to baseball and we dis um, we're discussing it and there are no true stars in baseball anymore. Uh yes, there is Aaron Judge. Who Thank else? you. Who else? There's a few others, but Aaron Judge, Shohei Otani, and Mike did, did Trout. Shohei Otani and Mike Trout are the two Mike biggest Trout. names. Uh, but Aaron Judge is a superstar. Yeah, even though and, the, doing the it, difference is that Aaron Judge. Plays for the Yankees are doing him dirty right now. Right, Aaron Judge is on a Greece. team. He's about to leave too. <laughs> Aaron, Aaron Judge is on a team that knows how to promote their stars. Right, yeah. he, you know. Listen, Paul O'Neill anywhere else? I mean, yeah, he was oh, he was great for the Cincinnati oh, Reds. Don't don't get me wrong. How are we not talking about the ESPN special on the captain Derek Jeter? 
Mm, I didn't watch it. Because it's not over yet. What the hell? <laughs> I didn't watch it yet. It's only two episodes in. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, but you look at, you know, you look at, you know, you, Dre does have a point. You you do have stars in baseball, right? You got the no, but, but Let, let the me explain why. Let me explain why I said that. Um, 90s, early 2000s, right? We'll actual stars in baseball. We can name about 20. 20 no, people. you could not name about 20 people, Dre. You could not name <coughs> about 20 people, Dre. I'm not talking about superstars. You I'm talking about, about stars in general. You can name about five. You can name Aaron, a little bit more uh, than five. I was about to say Aaron Rodgers. Uh, what's about to say Aaron, yeah, Aaron Rodgers talking about you right now. Um, <laughs> I don't know. You can name, you know, you had Derek Jeter. You had A-Rod. You had a few other names. You had Kirby Puckett, you had Tony Gwynn, you had Randy Johnson, Kurt Schilling, Pedro Martinez, Vlad Guerrero, Chipper Jones, Andrew Jones, uh, Tom Glavin, Greg Maddox, Griffey, Maguire, Sosa. Sosa. Those were 90s. Those were in 2000. I said 90s, early, between the 90s and the 2000s. That's a twenty-year span. That's that you know you you playing with the. Well, most of those guys played throughout that entire. Even if you're talking midnight you're with the goalposts now, Dre. No, okay. I'll play with the goalposts on this let one. Me, let, let, me, let, you let, me let me help Dre out a little bit. But if you're talking mid '90s when baseball re-exploded again because of the Yankees starting to win championships and the home run chase with McGuire and Sosa, if you start talking from '96, '97 on. Okay, even a ten, even a, a ten-year span or a five-year span from ninety-six, ninety-seven to like two thousand and one, two thousand and two. Okay, you had the end of Kirby Puckett, Tony Gwynn, Randy Johnson, Kurt Schilling, Pedro, Manny, Nomar. On uh, you had Sheffield, Chipper, Andrew, Griffey, Barry. Um, the Mets had the Mets had Piazza. Okay. I can go on even with the even with the Seattle. You had Jay Buhner, Edgar Martinez, Griffey, Ichiro. The Yankees had the core five. I, I hate that people okay, call them you, know, you guys are boring me already talking about this. Okay, we, we talk about what had, right? You know why people don't care about baseball no more? Because baseball's not white anymore. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting take. <laughs> That's I was going to say, as a, I, I wasn't even thinking about that. As a, life, as a lifelong baseball fan, I will tell you one of the things that's even pulling me away from the sport that I love and the sport that I played. The cheating um, scandal? Is, no, it's, it's, an archaic, it's an archaic game that hasn't changed with the times. They haven't really understood how to get fans invested in the game. And part of that goes to what part of that goes to what Dre is saying. Right now, the biggest stars in baseball are Aaron Judge, Juan Soto, Shohei Otani, Mike Trout, and um and Tatis. Mm-hmm. Tatis, uh, Tatis Jr. in San Diego. Those are the biggest stars in baseball. Now I'm not, I didn't say the best players, because then I could go on with the Mookie Betts. Uh, the Rafael Devers, all that, all that, all that. The problem is there's no recognizable names in the game of baseball because baseball does not do a good job of marketing its stars. You could put it on MLB as an organization. 
You could put it on. Um, you can put it on the teams as well. That the teams don't do a good job of marketing their stars. In, in, in a way, they almost have the same mentality as college football. No one player is bigger than the team. Bullshit. Okay. Okay. Because let, let's just call let's just call it what it is. Okay. Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton. Okay. These are the these are the names that people are talking about. Yeah, you may have every now and again somebody else who's a good player, you know, who deserves to have the accolades as well. But I'll, if you're not a baseball fan or you're not a Los Angeles Angels fan, you don't know who Mike Trout is. And you can't pick Mike Trout walking out of a restaurant. Baseball players can can eat, can live in relative anonymity because baseball has not done a good job of marketing its stars. And I don't this, I don't 100% agree with that. I mean, could I Derek Jeter have gone anywhere in New York City without being recognized? Well, that was 20 years ago. I mean, it, it's a different society now. Aaron Judge can. Aaron it's Judge, I have to agree with Vin. Aaron Judge would not be picked out of a lineup by the average by the average person. It's a different society now. Back in the 90s, you had it was a superstar era in everything. You get what I'm saying? Ken Griffey Jr., was, he had a popular pair of sneakers. He was on the video games. He was on commercials. He was on TV. He was mainstream. Derek Jeter was dating some of the most popular women in Hollywood. You know, he was known for his antics off the field as well as winning on the field. And I feel like baseball games are really long. People have shorter attention spans. You get what I'm saying? They're not doing well in marketing to younger younger fans. Um, we are not in – I mean, I feel like as, – except for football. I mean, and also the rise of other sports <laughs> that have come to the U.S., like soccer. Mm-hmm. Soccer kind of took baseball – I feel soccer kind of took baseball's place as far as that, that third option behind football, then maybe hockey. Um, I think soccer kind of took that, that spot. Um, as well, but I feel like not only marketing superstars, but I feel like um, people could barely sit at home and watch a four-hour football game, let in a especially in the summertime, let alone a six sometimes six seven-hour baseball game. I feel as if they have not grown with the times at all, as far as how the game is played, how the game is marketed, where you can find these games. I mean, you have football everywhere. And to be honest with you, besides, when you think about it, I th- do you think that the superstar era of sports is dead? Not because of sports. Giannis is not a big hot commodity that LeBron was, and he was supposed to be the future of the league. You get what I'm saying? Like, when LeBron, when the LeBrons, the Stephs, the KDs leave the league, who do you really have left? I mean, Patrick Mahomes is the future of the – supposedly the future of the NFL, but people don't really know who Josh Allen is. You could pick – you you can – Josh Allen could go and have dinner somewhere else and not be bothered. Yeah, he'd go dinner anywhere outside of Buffalo, outside yeah. of the state so of New York. Be only, okay. I don't think that's only an MLP problem. I feel like that's a society issue. Mm. I feel like not a society issue, but a society evolution. 
I feel like and, this is the start. You're right about the length of the games. Listen, don't get me wrong. A nine inning game is great. Um, I finished. You know, I was not finished. Oh, I apologize, Tay. But what I'm saying, as somebody who used to watch baseball a lot, especially like you, like you had you had reasons to watch. Baseball is a boring ass game. The la- unless you watching the last three innings. And even then, if it's not a close game, the last three yeah, innings can be boring as well. And then I feel like the cheating scandal kind of was was the last was the straw that broke the camel's back for some people who were kind of teetering on the line between not watching baseball and watching baseball, thinking that something is rigged. You get what I'm saying? It is a very big turnoff for a lot of people as well. And then that's that, when the I think, Yeah, but when I say also baseball is not as white as it used to be. The NFL is still really white. The MLB, the NBA is still very American. Um, it's Black American, but it's still very American. Um, I feel like that as the MLB progressed, you had a lot more stars that came from other countries that were not media ready, that was harder to market to the mainstream, and you know you didn't have your A Rods, your your Derek Jeters, your Randy Johnsons, who were media ready and who could associate with everyday Americans. The the MLB became more Hispanic and it marketed towards a more Hispanic market. And then you know the the biggest sport outside of American football in here is soccer. So that's number one. I mean marketing to the his to the to the, especially to the Caribbean Hispanic market I don't think it was a bad move in in in, in MLB's part because that's where a lot of your players were coming from. Yeah, I didn't say that it was a bad move, but it it it, it was impactful. I think uh, Vin Vin actually hits the nail on the head. It's again, it's it's very much that old guard. You know, baseball has has not moved past the older fan, and what makes the game exciting now to younger fans is what. The old timers in baseball are like, oh, that's too much. You know, you got the bat flips after the home runs, the antics, the this. The that. They're making the flat. It's like the touchdown dad dances in football. When the touchdown, when T.O. and all of them were doing the touchdown dances and doing everything, everybody named Mama was coming for them. Mm-hmm. Now it's commonplace because we've even the NFL. The NFL, how much money did T.O. and all of them lose? in fines because of the different touchdown dances they were doing. Right. You know, like, you know, it was, it was, it was always rough on them until the, until the NFL accepted it. And until people accepted it, major league baseball needs to move forward into the 21st generation into the 21st century. Listen, the nine inning game, it is what it is. It's baseball is a cerebral game. It's, it's more of a chess battle than it is like the gladiator battle that you have in football it's more, it's more of a cerebral battle than you have in basketball. You know, it's, it's, it's very much pitcher versus hitter. Pitcher versus – and it's, it's, it's one-to-one, one-to-one, and the, and the rest of the team's just there playing defense. It's not it, – it's, it's, it's a very different game. So I do agree that it takes a different fan it, – it, it, it markets to a different fan set. But they really need to stop minimizing what makes the game fun – for the younger fans. And MLB had it right. Okay. I'm going to tell you right now, Major League Baseball, you did it the wrong way. But you had it right in the mid-90s when you said, 
home runs were sexy. Because they were. Because the biggest boon in MLB viewership happened in the mid-90s to the early 2000s when we were talking home run races, when we were talking people smacking the ball out the, out the park left and right. Now, it wasn't to the degree that the MLB has it now. Everybody's hitting home runs now. Everybody's hitting home runs. But nobody's hitting 50. Why do you think everybody's talking about Aaron Judge the way they talk about it right now? Because he is on pace to break Ruth's record with the Yankees, Maris's record with the Yankees. He's on pace to possibly challenge home run records that we have not seen challenged since the days of PDs, right? Yeah, yeah. We're talking, but the thing is, on the bright side, on the dark side of that, people felt duped once they realized these people were taking performance enhancing drugs. So the thing is, is it a, it wasn't just, oh yeah, it, home runs were sexy, but then look, you know, these guys are all beefed up on damn steroids. You get what I'm saying? Like compromising the legitimacy of the game. Eh, I don't want to say compromise the legitimacy of the game because we could go from a top line point of view. From a top line point of view, for somebody who's right. not a diehard baseball fan, I'm not. If I know that you're taking PEDs to have gotten that, it, it compromises to me and it dilutes the accomplishment. That's why well, people and- like Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire, you know, are are bound when you when you come up with when you talk about their names now, you don't talk about the home run derby, you talk about the steroids. Right. I mean, don't get me wrong. You're not wrong there at all. And, you know, the the, the issues that I have that I always tell people is like, you know, this was an MLB-created problem because you you had essentially people – we don't know who was and who wasn't. We don't know how many pitchers were doing things, how many pitchers were getting performance enhancements. And then we go further back. We talk about guys – in, in, in the early, in the 60s and the 70s, even further back than that, who were using the spitball, who were doctoring the ball, who were doing this, who were doing that, who were in the Hall of Fame, you know. So, I mean, listen, baseball has always had to find something to combat it when offenses were out of control in the early days. Pitchers started doctoring the balls, the spitball, the this, the that. When, when people first started throwing a, a fork ball, People thought that pitchers were cheating, but they weren't. They just had developed a new pitch, you know. Um, you know, and then offense died down. Pitching went up, and that was those those ages of Koufax and Nolan Ryan and all that. And pitching was on the rise, and pitching was what was dominant. But the Most problem definitely. is when pitching is too dominant, and you get a bunch of games like hockey. Hockey had the same problem: a bunch of one nothing games, a bunch of two nothing games where it's like a three-hour game and you get one goal, two goals scored, you know, people found that boring. So what did baseball do? They kind of let things go a little bit. They let the reins go. PEDs infiltrated the game. They started juicing the balls, things like that. Boom. Home run offense explosion. The NBA did it as well. With the advent of the three-point game in basketball, it made – to the fans – it made basketball sexy again because the offense is so high paced. Yeah, but and, now look, NBA yeah. decline. NBA viewership is declining every year because it's not as competitive. And the thing is, I'm going back to what Vincent, what Vince said again. <laughs> um, I just checked the comments. Ba- I didn't say they market to Hispanics. I said baseball has become less white, yeah. which does yeah. not appeal to mainstream audiences. Right, right. and. 
that, that's I love the Feel the Dream game that... because I love that 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 movie Feel the Dream. Mm-hmm. I actually, I actually like that the MLB does a great job of marketing to its history. I mean, the NHL does it with the with the with the Winter Classic doing the outdoor game, which is based on old NHL games that were played in outdoor stadiums and things like that. So I like that. Okay, I don't think them being in a cornfield in Iowa was a big deal. You know, it was right. it was a it was a legendary game. That was just what it was. I do think that um, it, this conversation could go on. We can talk about all the things, but right now, baseball, out of most of the majority of the sports, even like we when we talk about boxing, is actually suffering for viewership right now, and they have to find a way to get these people back. Because not many people are even watching the home run derby when it comes on. So, but. Um, that this is a wrap year we for watched, us. I think this year was actually a very high-rated home run derby because there was a lot of stars. It was, um, you know, but I think that they they kind of they kind of uh, run with the same issue that the uh, the dunk contest runs into a lot of times. Right, but um, that is a wrap for us. Um, Shoutouts to the Jabba Tears Network, everybody except Mister Black. Um, um, shout out to Two and a Half Bros, the Java Chase podcast. Again, everybody except Mr. Black. Um, We're trying to whack. <laughs> definitely. Um, Java Slam is coming up, y'all. So, you know, get your tickets. It's coming. Yo, why um, did Little Dude run his mouth so much? I don't know, but we'll talk about that. Little Dude run his mouth. We'll talk, no, 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 no. We'll talk about that in a little bit. We'll talk about it a little bit. But um, shout out to my child team here at the Euro Sports Show. BK Matt, who'll be back off assignment soon. It was Generation Pete Rosado and the Queen, Queen Tay. Shouts to all you guys. Shouts to me as well. Doing the damn thing. And um, Dre, it's the hottest day of the goddamn year. Let's wrap it up. So, for the voice of Generation Pete Rosado, for BK Matt, for the Queen, Queen Tay. I'm sorry, I have a loft style apartment. So, high ceilings. So, yeah. It is your boy, Big Baby, signing off. Peace.